Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. It's a new episode today. It's November 7th. And this one, last week was very personal. I talked about my first legal job ever, and I had a, a lot of recall about what happened during that summer of 1988. It was a very personal episode. This one is personal as well for a different reason. And I'm going to get to it in a second. We're going to talk in this episode. First, I wanted to promise that there would be a K Flock. He's the rapper Kevin Perez. A K Flock update on his legal case. He's charged with second degree murder in Manhattan, and the case has been sort of slowly winding its way through the system, in large part because we had a judge who was retiring and who was never going to try the case anyway. I suppose that was one of the reasons why it was delayed. But now uh, we're going to give you an update, and I try to give an update whenever I can, whenever something happens, and I'll get into that in a bit. In addition, I want to talk about um, a little bit about the midterm elections very briefly. Um, we'll get into that at some point. But the main thing I want to talk about this week is something that is really personal to me and has been for a while is, is Kyrie Irving. And I know that there's a lot of different opinions on that, but it's upsetting to me on so many levels. And before I explain why, I just want to cut to the chase. First of all, I want everybody who's listening to actually be objective because Kyrie is somebody that I, as a, as a, as a Duke grad, greatly respect. He was my favorite player for years. But let me just cut to the chase. Yes, he promoted an anti-Semitic film on his social media. By linking it there, he's got four and a half million Twitter followers. He's got 17.6 million Instagram followers. Yes, he promoted uh, the film, the documentary, the anti-Semitic documentary that was based on an anti-Semitic book. Yes, he promoted it. You don't post something like that on your social media and not claim that you're not, if not vouching for it, you're certainly asking people to watch it. And it's a, a thoroughly discredited pile of lies, um, anti-Semitic lies. You're promoting it if you put it up there. Everybody who can look at this objectively would agree. There is no dispute about this at all. Just because Kyrie said that he wasn't promoting it, even the NBA players that had to speak about it, that were forced, recognized that, of course, he was promoting it. He could have posted it and said that it was a film filled with lies. He didn't. He wanted people to watch the film. He wanted people to read the book. And they're just both poisonous, Jew-hating garbage. He promoted it. Don't tell me that he didn't, because if you say it, you're an idiot. He promoted the book. And every time he posted about this shitty book or, or the, the film or defended himself in public, a huge amount of comments under these posts were filled with people saying that, that the stuff in the film was true, that Jews are controlling him. So spare me that he isn't a Jew hater. He is. And his posts were anti-Semitic. Just spare me. He sees what people wrote about Jews under his posts, and he didn't delete them. The documentary is based on a book that claims, quote, that many high-ranking Jews have reported to worshiping Satan and Lucifer. That is a blood libel. That's an anti-Semitic blood libel. The, the documentary also said that Jews started racism against the blacks. The Jews? That's, an, that's more anti-Semitism. 
And then I'm reading online, people saying, well, you know, if Kyrie did something wrong by posting it on his social media, Jeff Bezos, he's in trouble too, because he owns Amazon. First of all, he doesn't own Amazon. He's, I don't even know that he's even associated with it anymore, hardly. He doesn't run the day-to-day. Well, he had it on his website. He had it on Amazon. Do you really think that's the same? There's like a million things on Amazon. Do you really think that when, when it's included in Amazon, for whatever reason, mistakenly perhaps, that's the same as a guy with 17 million Instagram followers, four and a half million Twitter followers, who makes it as his post for the day, for the week? You really think that's the same? You can't be that stupid. You're just saying that because you want to defend them. But just own up to what you are. Admit it. Be honest for a change. The film's narrator claims that he's quoting Hitler. He's actually quoting Hitler, he claims, in the film. Tell me if this is not anti-Semitic. Clearly, Hitler is the most anti-Semitic person in history, I suppose, or certainly up there. But the quote was actually a fabricated quote from Hitler. So it's in this movie, a fabricated quote from Hitler, disgusting upon disgusting. And here's the fake quote that he attributed to Hitler. Because the white Jews know that Negroes are the real children of Israel, and to keep America secret, the Jews will blackmail America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they are. That is Jew hate. Plain and simple. This is not a close call. That is Jew hate. Stating something that came from Hitler that's not true and is filled with Jew hate, that's like Jew hate upon Jew hate. So stop it. There is no question here what he did. Also in the movie, there's a claim that the Holocaust was a fraud. That is Jew hate. Okay, that's Jew hate. Do you really not believe this? And even when confronted with all of this, Kyrie refused to say that he wasn't an anti-Semite. When asked about whether he believed that the Holocaust occurred, Kyrie said, quote, The Holocaust in itself is an event that means something to a large group of people that suffered, suffered something that could have been avoided. Really? 11 million people or so were killed because of their religion or their sexuality, and you think it doesn't mean anything except to the people who were victimized? What Kyrie said is anti-Semitic. You may love him and say, oh, he's that, that smiley Uncle Drew. He's not anymore. He's not. He's a rancid anti-Semite, plain and simple. And don't tell me that he's not if you're not Jewish, because he is. It's not even a question. The book that Kyrie promoted, the film that, that it was uh, based on, also quotes the infamous anti-Semitic hoax, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. The Protocols of the Elders of Zion is the most notorious and widely distributed anti-Semitic publication of modern times. Its lies about Jews, which have been repeatedly discredited, continue to circulate today, especially on the Internet. The individuals and groups who have used the protocols are all linked by a common purpose, and that's to spread hatred of Jews. It's entirely a work of fiction, intentionally written to blame Jews for a variety of society's ills. Those who distribute it claim that it documents a Jewish conspiracy to dominate the world. The conspiracy and its alleged leaders, the so-called elders of Zion, they never even existed. At one point, the film that Kyrie promoted on Twitter cites Henry Ford's four-volume book, The International Jew. The first volume, by the way, is subtitled The World's Foremost Problem. 
Henry Ford was the automaker, and he was such a Jew hater that even Adolf Hitler praised him for his Jew hate in Mein Kampf. Don't tell me that this shit that he put on his Twitter wasn't Jew hate. There's not even a question here. Don't be dumb. Kyrie's documentary uh, that he promoted also claims that Jews have used five major falsehoods to conceal their nature and protect their status and power. One of the alleged falsehoods is that six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. That is textbook anti-Semitism again. The film that Kyrie promoted, based on the book by the filmmaker, includes a laundry list of industries from banking to book publishing, that European Jews allegedly dominate before it stated, quote, using control of our money and the mass media, the European Jews gain control over our thinking. Elsewhere, the book refers to the, quote, Jewish-controlled news media. And this famous athlete with a huge following, a, a huge amount of influence over children, pretended that he wasn't stoking anti-Semitism? He was. He did. This is not even a close call. Now, Kanye West made clear that he hates Jews. I mean, he said it. He said he's going to go DEFCON 3 on Jews and blah, blah, blah. He claims that, that a Jewish doctor tried to kill him. Kyrie pretends instead that he's some kind of well-read philosopher, when in fact, I mean, here's the truth, and I used to love Kyrie. I'm looking at his sneakers right now that I collected. He's a fucking moron an uneducated, intellectually lazy moron. Because an hour on the internet would debunk all the shit that's in the book that he promoted. Remember, Kyrie said that the earth was flat. Remember that? Kyrie supported Alex Jones, one of his conspiracies about secret societies. Alex Jones is the conspiracy theorist, theorist idiot who claimed that Sandy Hook, the shooting there, was a fake. 20 babies and 28 people in total were shot up in school by a maniac. How Kyrie Irving could place any trust in someone who maliciously lied about the murder of babies is really shocking, isn't it? Does that sound like a deep thinker to you? Does that sound like a guy who reads, who understands what he's reading? When it's pointed out to Kyrie that he might be a Jew hater, he refused to say that he wasn't anti-Semitic. And he played the victim instead, the victim. He had the balls to say, did I do anything illegal? Did I hurt anybody? Did I harm anybody? Uh, yeah, you did. You think the shit that you post doesn't result in Jews being attacked? When he was accused of promoting this horrible film, his response was, don't dehumanize me. He doesn't even understand the word dehumanize. He is the one who perpetuated the notion that Jews are Satanists, that Jews invented racism against blacks, that the Holocaust is not real. And he is the one suggesting that he is being dehumanized, saying that Jews worship Satan isn't dehumanizing them. This is how dumb he is, which is so ironic because Kyrie and Kanye, both of them, are not just Jew haters, but they think that they're smarter than us which is hilarious because not only are they intellectually idiots, and they could be geniuses in other areas, but intellectually they're idiots, but they exacerbate their idiocy with ignorance. Kyrie tries to paint himself as this deep philosophical man who reads a lot. He's always doing his research. I'm doing my research, I'm doing my research, really deep research. He's actually a low IQ idiot. He's the one who thought that the earth was flat again. 
Deep research is needed on that, by the way, to disprove that the Earth is flat. There's not enough evidence out there in the books for you, Kyrie, that the Earth is round, huh? Try opening up one book on that issue of the flat Earth, you know, something that's been published in the last, I don't know, 500 years. And both Kanye and Kyrie are hilarious when asked if they're anti-Semitic. They respond the same way. We can't be anti-Semitic. We know where we came from. This response is just pure gibberish, and I want you to follow me here. What they're saying is that they're taking the line from the black Israelites, which is a a Jew-hating, white-hating, gay-hating group of mental patients, it's practically a cult, who think that they're the true descendants of biblical Jews. They express hatred of modern white Jews, claiming that the mantle of Judaism is, is for themselves. And black Hebrew Israelites claim to be from the 12 tribes of Israel, who will one day be given dominion by God to rule over the earth. They believe that Jewish people are fake Jews, they're imposters, who will be supplanted by them in the future. They also believe that God will make whites, who these groups consider spawns of the devil, into their slaves and force them into eternal servitude. That's the black Israelites. Do you remember the three people and a cop that were killed in Jersey City in a kosher market in 2019? That was a black Israelite who did it. They hate the people who we, the sane people of the world, consider Jews to be. They just made this idiotic identity up, the black Israelites, and they think that that gives them the right to trash Jews and traditional Judaism that's been around thousands of years before Christianity or Islam even existed. The black Israelites are a hate group, plain and simple. So Kyrie and Kanye get cute when they ask that they're anti-Semitic. They claim, how can I be anti-Semitic when we are the real Jews? How can we hate ourselves? Now, Kanye and Kyrie, they don't believe that white Jews deserve their position as Jews. It's they who are the real Jews is what they're saying. So when asked if they hate Jews, because that's really the question that the press asked, do you hate who the rest of society considers to be Jews? They refuse to answer because they don't accept the idea that white Jews even exist. Now, I take them, and look, everybody knows what the press is asking. Do you hate Jews? How can I be anti-Semitic? I'm a, I'm a Semite. Dude, everybody knows what they're asking. Don't be cute. And I take this very personally, and I'll explain why. First of all, I'm a Jew, obviously. Second of all, Kyrie grew up in New Jersey, as did I. I saw his father play in the NCAA tournament against Duke in 1988 when he played for Boston University. Incredibly, the game was at the UNC Dean Dome, which was their home court. It was a first-round game of the 1988 NCAA tournament. Kyrie Irving's dad, I was there. Incredible coincidence. Kyrie is a Jersey kid which is where I'm from. And when you're from New Jersey, you just are different. You have to be from Jersey to understand we are different. And I think we understand each other in ways that most people would not ask somebody from Jersey. They'll tell you that Kyrie played high school basketball at St. Patrick's in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is about seven miles from where I grew up. Kyrie's high school coach, Kevin Boyle went to high school with me. He's a couple of years older than me. He was a really fine high school player, went on to play for Seton Hall, but then made his mark as perhaps perhaps the best high school basketball coach in the country right now. As I said, Kyrie went on to Duke where I went, and he was one of my all-time favorite Duke players. There was just a joy about how he played. I, I bought all of his sneakers. I bought them for my kids. I bought my kids jerseys with Kyrie's name on the back and number is number one. They were wearing them when they were babies. He was just a joyful, happy kid to watch play. He was everything right about Duke. 
And as a Duke grad, that's what we wanted. You know, we wanted people like Kyrie. And he was a great player. He didn't play much in college because he was hurt. He only played 11 games, but he hit the famous shot in the NBA to get LeBron James his first championship. There was that high-pressure shot. It was against the 73-win Golden State Warriors, less than a minute left in Game 7. I mean, the guy had ice-cold ice uh, water in his veins when he hit that shot. That was Kyrie, cold-blooded, first pick in the NBA draft. He was a champion. And then he got a little crazy. He, he left LeBron because he didn't want to be second fiddle to LeBron, which I thought was crazy when he left Cleveland. I mean, he, had, he was a champion. And he went to Boston, and he was just a horror there. When he signed with Boston, he said he wanted his uniform to hang in the rafters of Boston Garden. He, he wanted to resign with them when his contract ended. He said all the right things. By all accounts, he was a horrible teammate, though. He didn't want to be a leader for the young kids which included, at the time, Jason Tatum, who also went to Duke. And Tatum is now one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, he's a superstar, top five player. Kyrie got hurt near the end of his first year in Boston. And somehow, Boston had a 3-2 game lead, 3-2 game lead on LeBron's Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie. Yet Kyrie didn't even show up to Game 7 in Boston. He could have been on the bench supporting his team. Instead, he stayed home and he was recovering from surgery on his deviated septum. Apparently, that couldn't wait, I don't know, a week. The next year was his last year in Boston. He was just totally sour. He said he didn't owe anyone shit when asked if he'd resign with the Celtics. And this was after saying all the right things just a year earlier. And then he started saying really weird stuff while in Boston. The stuff about that he wasn't sure that the earth was round. And he said back then, I do research on both sides. I'm not against anyone that thinks the earth is round. I'm not against anyone that thinks it's flat. I just love hearing the debate. Listen to me. There is no fucking debate, you moron. A fucking debate about whether the earth is round? Spend 10 seconds on Google. Look at the pictures from the space station. Do you actually think that there's a debate going on about this right now? Use your brain. Do you think ships sail off the edge of the earth? Kyrie actually apologized for that one. That he could apologize for. And that occurred five years ago, and this is what he said. At the time, I was like huge into conspiracies, and everybody's been there. Really? That was five years ago. Guess where you still are? Now you're promoting movies with fake Hitler quotes about how Jews tricked the world. He ended up leaving Boston for the Nets after his second season in Boston. When he came back to Boston to play, he walked around Boston Garden before the game, and he was burning sage on the court in order to cleanse the energy within the building. When he finally played there for the Nets, when fans were in the building, he said before the game that he hoped he wouldn't be the victim of racism by the fans there. Now, Boston has a long history of racism. And I'm not just talking sports. I'm talking the whole city. They were racist to Bill Russell, who like won a championship every year he was there. How do you be racist to Bill Russell? The man was like the, 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 the kindest, most generous, most decent, hardest working player ever every black boston athlete complained about racism there over the years but the reason the fans were going to boo Kyrie it wasn't because he was was black it's because he was a sanctimonious prick to them he was a shitty teammate who abandoned the franchise not because he was black but then he just started getting even weirder 
And, and when he was on the Nets, he was such a distraction. First, he mentioned after Steve Nash was hired to coach the team that he and Durant would be acting as the head coaches too, he and Kevin Durant, that it would be a collaborative effort. This guy who was clearly a bit off, a lousy teammate in Boston, he's going to be the Nets coach? He's going to take that kind of responsibility? You think the new coach, Steve Nash, appreciated that? That's like some vote of confidence. As soon as you get hired, your uh, top two players are saying, well, you're going to sit in the back and we'll take care of this now. Then right after he said that, he started taking mental health days off. The dude is getting paid $40 million a year, and he didn't alert the team. He just vanished. He didn't show up for a game in Philadelphia in January of 2021. Do you remember this? The team ruled him out for personal reasons. But then a video leaked of him attending his sister's birthday party, and he was heavily criticized for it. Again, he was unreliable, he was a flake, and he was a shitty teammate. You want to spend $40 million on a guy who doesn't show up for work and doesn't even call in sick? He's just too special. He's too important. And then it got worse. The video showed Kyrie. He's smiling and he's maskless, dancing and standing next to his sister, Asia, while she blew out candles at her birthday party. The NBA's health and safety protocols prohibited players from going to bars, club, lounges, and gatherings of 15 or more people. Again, the rules were idiotic. Let me make that clear. I am not a pro-vaxxer. But they were the rules, and he was a highly paid employee. And everybody in the NBA knew the rules. And he let his teammates, his brothers, down. The NBA fined him $50,000 for violating the, the COVID safety protocols. He was also forced to quarantine for five days, and he missed two more games during that five days. In total, he lost like $900,000 because he didn't get paid for those games that he missed. He ended up missing six consecutive games at all, mental health days and due to his quarantine. Mental health days, $40 million a year. You pay me $40 million a year, you can be damn sure I'm going to be there every day. And as I said, most of the games that he missed were for personal reasons. How'd you like to be Kevin Durant watching this shit? Or James Harden, who had just arrived in a trade. Durant came to Brooklyn due to Kyrie, and the dude is just disappearing and not showing up for games. Look, you can say what you want about Kevin Durant. The guy works. He shows up. He works. He practices. All the guy cares about is basketball. And he's got to put up with this shit. Think about it. And then he, we all know he refused to get vaccinated. And again, I am not a strong proponent for the COVID vaccine. We were lied to by the government. We were told that the vaccine would prevent the spread of COVID. That's just a lie. We all know that's a lie now. They lied to us. There are heart issues that young people have had due to the vaccine, and it's killed young people. But New York didn't allow professional sports players to play games in New York if they weren't vaccinated. Again, a moronic rule typical of the leftist New York. Dumb Bill de Blasio, he's an idiot, but it was still a rule. And Kyrie got ripped to shreds by who? By liberals for this. White liberals, black liberals. The thing that was upsetting to me, because I didn't care. He didn't want to get vaccinated. I get it. But it showed him to be selfish again and a lousy teammate. Now, look, he was right that no one should have been forced to take the vaccine. He was 100% right, and I give him credit for that. But the entire league sucked it up. And they got vaccinated. You think professional athletes don't sacrifice important things in order to play in the NBA or NFL? Football players have their brains turned to mush after all the concussions they've had while playing. And most don't regret it. Being an NFL player was that important to them. The fame, the money, the competition. 
the game. They loved it. We all sacrifice something in order to have the chance to be great. We all do. And somehow the entire NBA understood this and got vaccinated, even if they didn't want to. But Kyrie, everybody but Kyrie. So the Nets benched them. They said, look, we don't want you to just play the away games because you're going to screw up the chemistry on the team if you're only playing half the games. And this had to suck so bad to be the owner of the Nets. Imagine what this guy was dealing with. He paid billions for this team, and Kyrie destroyed the season due to his refusal to get vaccinated. Again, imagine how Kevin Durant felt. This guy just wants a chip. He just wants a ring. And you got Kyrie Irving, you know, the second best player or maybe the best player on the team. Just saying, fuck it, I'm not playing. James Harden, who is now on the team, he's like, what the fuck am I doing here? They were a top contender. This was the greatest offensive trio in the history of the NBA. Tell me one that was better. Maybe uh, Magic, Kareem, and Worthy? I don't think so. I think Durant, Harden, and, and Kyrie were better. And now they're finished because he doesn't want to play. He just flushes the season down the toilet. And Durant said all the right things. You know, I'm, I'm not mad. Of course he was mad. The Nets, of course, floundered in a moment of desperation at the end of, the, of last year. They allowed him to play just the away games, which, of course, was weird with him playing every other game. And, of course, they sucked. They got swept in the playoffs. Eventually, Harden had enough of Kyrie's bullshit, and he asked for a trade. And, and the Nets were forced to trade him for Ben Simmons to Philadelphia, who can't shoot and refused to shoot. And as I said, the Nets now suck. Kyrie asked for a trade over the summer, but he was under contract. And well, the Nets were going to extend him? How do you extend the guy who doesn't show up to work? That just doesn't show up, refuses to play. Of course the Nets weren't going to extend him, but he was under contract. He wanted a new contract, but the Nets weren't going to pay. He's a team cancer. So they forced his hand and they said, either you uh, play this year for us or you just sit out and you don't get paid and you just, that's it. Too bad. Of course, Kyrie gave in because, you know, he wanted the money. He's crazy, but he still wanted that money. And Durant had enough. He tried to force a trade too, but he was under contract and he had no choice but to play for the Nets. And, and what did the Nets owner do to deserve any of this? I mean, really, he did nothing. So this year just starts. The Nets stink naturally because of all the offseason chaos. And then naturally, Kyrie blows the team up again. And I'm pissed about the lack of NBA players blasting Kyrie for his blatant anti-Semitism, like none of them. And what was cool was to see former NBA greats, Charles Barkley, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, Reggie Miller, they're blasting Kyrie, calling for him to be suspended. But the current players, they didn't say a damn thing. When George Floyd was killed, however, they were all wearing those I can't breathe shirts. They were all very outspoken. But when uh, Jews are attacked by one of their players. Listen, George Floyd was not killed by an owner or a player in the NBA. When one of their own players, one of their own brothers is anti-Semitic openly, they don't say a peep. Jews don't matter. Hate speech doesn't matter unless it's done to them. Now, remember when the owner of the Suns, Robert Sarver, was reported to have used the N-word on at least five occasions, all the time repeating what a black person had said about other blacks. But he did so after being advised not to do it and, quote, I'm reading from an article, made many sex-related comments in the workplace. What's more, there was a probe of him found that he had made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women and had frequently engaged in de demeaning and harsh treatment of employees. 
including by yelling and cursing at them. He was fined like $10 million and suspended for a year. And that was after he apologized like a madman. Now, I don't necessarily believe his apology. I think he was apologizing because he was trying to get out from under. But he at least said the right things. And this is what LeBron James said about Sarver, demanding that he be kicked out of the league. Quote, read through the Sarver stories a few times. This is what he tweeted. I got to be honest. Our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. You all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. There is no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league, and I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There is no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you own the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values, and this ain't it. I get it. I can't uh, dispute what he said there. You know, there's really no defense to what Sarver said and did. And LeBron, uh, as a black man, has every right to be pissed and to voice his opinion. Now, after knowing full well of the vicious Jew hate that Kyrie was promoting, LeBron said that, quote, Kyrie caused some harm to a lot of people by recently promoting the, the documentary on his Twitter account. Quote, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, how tall you are, or what position you're in, James said. If you're promoting, soliciting, or saying harmful things to any community that harms people, then I don't respect it. I don't condone it. That's it? That's all? You could say Kyrie promoted a book that said Jews control the world, that Jews created racism against blacks, that the Holocaust didn't occur. And that's all you have to say. Compare that to what he said about Sarver. And where's the outrage from the players? Anything? Kyrie Irving refused to say he wasn't a Jew hater. The answer to the question of whether you're a Jew hater, it's always no. Even if you are, you say no. Kyrie promoted a film which lied about Jews, demonized them, and said that they started racism against blacks. They invented it. That gets Jews killed. That's what gets impressionable idiots to commit hate crimes against Jews, who, by the way, were 2.6 times more likely than blacks to be a victim of a hate crime in 2019, and 2.2 times more likely than a Muslim to be a hate crime victim. And things have gotten way worse for Jews in 2022. C.J. McCollum, the head of the NBA Players Association, finally commented on the matter over the weekend. This is what he said. I think the important part was that he did apologize. He's displayed empathy now. That's what you're saying? He apologized only after being suspended and costing himself money. He was given like 10 chances to apologize or even acknowledge he did anything wrong. Instead, he claimed that he was being persecuted. You think Kyrie has empathy for the Jews who were subjected to hate crimes over the past week due to his idiotic words and his social media posts? Or do you think he was just trying to stop the bleeding? Robert Sarver, as I said, apologized immediately. You didn't believe him, did you? I didn't believe him, as I said, nor sh you shouldn't believe him. No doubt he was apologizing just because he was in trouble, just like Kyrie. But do you see the hypocrisy? Why aren't they asking uh, that Kyrie be banished from the league forever like they did Sarver? The players, the league, they care about themselves and their money. They keep lecturing us on racism, but when blatant Jew hate comes out, you got near silence. Adam Silver, a Jew who went to Duke, gave Kyrie a million chances to get it right. He didn't give Robert Sarver that kind of uh, uh, chance, did he? 
But Silver kept putting off the discipline and ultimately didn't do a damn thing. And it's the same with the, the high-profile black voices out there. You know, the musicians, the athletes, business leaders. Why aren't they coming out and blasting Kyrie? They are silent on their social media. I know because I follow a lot of them. Every day, racism, racism. And they're right to talk about racism against blacks. They're right because it's still out there. It's still happening. God bless them for pointing it out. But when this happened with Kyrie talking about Jews, nothing. Crickets, nothing. What are the real-life consequences of what Kyrie said, you know, what he posted? The horrible anti-Semitic garbage that claimed that Jews worship Satan, that Jews created racism against blacks, that Jews manipulate blacks. Well, we heard from the FBI last week that synagogues in New Jersey were under a broad threat. And in Atlanta, graffiti which stated Jews kill blacks and Jews enslave black lives was spray-painted on buildings in Atlanta. Where are the nation's black leaders on this? Not a peep. You think they like Jews? Why else won't they speak up? Let's be clear. Despite the fact that black leaders were silent about Kyrie's offensive comments in the film that he promoted, the left went after him hard. Liberals went after Kyrie hard, much the same way they went after Kanye. But why are they so silent on Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib? These are two Muslim members of Congress who are openly anti-Semitic, but they couch it as being you know, anti-Israel. But they say plenty of anti-Semitic things that, that, that slip out. I'll tell you why. Because Kyrie is conservative. Excuse me, Kanye is conservative. He was a Trump supporter. He wore a White Lives Matter shirt. Kyrie refused the COVID vaccine. He's a vaccine denier. That's considered a conservative Republican position. The left went after them solely because they were conservatives. Although you'd have to convince me that either Kyrie or Kanye really have a clue about the politics. And again, how would you like to be owner of the Nets? You pay billions of dollars for the team. Kyrie and Durant are signed. You then acquired James Harden in a trade. You are a favorite to win an NBA championship. And Kyrie just blows the team up year after year. And he refused to respond to texts from the owner who's paying him like $37 million this year. The owner is texting him. He's texting him. He signed him to a guaranteed four-year, $136 million contract. You can't respond to the man's texts? What did he do to you? After you destroyed the team year after year? Really? Fuck you, Kyrie. This is your job. Your job is to bounce a ball, pass a ball, score a ball. Your job is not to be a pontificating racist idiot. You're an employee. No one says you can't speak up on social issues. You don't got to just dribble the ball like that was said about LeBron. You're allowed to speak up. But when you represent a team, a franchise paying you nine figures guaranteed, you got to be a team man first to some degree. It's like any other job. You don't get to destroy the team that pays you. If you want to be a philosopher, quit the NBA and be one. But don't destroy the man's property. In what other field would this be allowed? Again, he can speak up about social issues, but you can't be hateful. You can be positive, which is what Kyrie claims he was trying to be. I don't know how you can be positive when you're claiming that the Holocaust didn't exist. As for the six things that Kyrie is now being forced to do in order to get off the suspension list and then get paid again, I just found this ridiculous. Who anointed the Anti-Defamation League, somehow the arbiter of all Jews, 
that gets to determine what the Jews think. They're a leftist organization which supports a political party that has wild anti-Semites in it. And don't tell me that they're not. You got Democrats who are castigating Israel every day, but somehow never mention that China has enslaved 2 million Muslims in concentration camps. They castigate Israel every day. They don't say a word about Russia, which killed more Ukrainian civilians in a week than Israel has in, what, 20 years? There's a reason they only speak about Israel. Can you guess uh, what religion the people inside Israel are? The majority? The Jews. And regardless, Kyrie isn't a child. You can't change the man's thinking by forcing him to do stuff. It's insulting. It's, it's demeaning. It's pathetic. You punish him for his actions, and you let him figure it out on his own. He's a grown man. When he recognizes what he did was, was evil and wrong, he'll figure it out. But really not until then. He's got to do this on his own. Treating him like a child is pathetic. And, and somehow, as I said, Robert Sarver wasn't given that chance. You don't force the guy to do stuff that he clearly isn't ready to do. And remember this, I have great empathy for blacks and the racism they've suffered and continue to suffer. I've represented a 14-year-old black kid in New York City who was charged with murdering a college freshman. I did it for free, pro bono, I don't know, about $500,000 worth of representation. My entire firm was involved for months. I did it, why? Because it was worth it. My heart broke for this kid, Rashawn Weaver. He had a horrible upbringing. The kid never had a chance. Never, 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 never. He was surrounded by violence and drugs since birth. And I felt somebody had to stand up for him. Even when a black district attorney, Alvin Bragg, came into power, they wouldn't do a thing for this kid, despite me explaining the horrors of his childhood. And I have helped numerous blacks out of massive jams, gotten dozens of cases dismissed for them, including cases in which they were charged with killing people I've gotten dismissed. So you'll have to excuse me for taking these positions I've espoused here. Kyrie doesn't deserve a pass, and to suggest that he does is hypocrisy. I'm not saying he can't learn from this. Anybody is capable of learning from their mistakes, but Jesus Christ, he ought to be dragged kicking and screaming to apologize. He refused to admit that he was wrong, and he was given multiple chances. He said he had an army with him who agreed with his Jew-hating positions. It's what he, in essence, said. He refused to even say he wasn't anti-Semitic. You'll excuse me if I don't believe that his apology, uh, I don't believe that it was sincere, as I said, which only occurred when the money train stopped and he was suspended without pay. What's really troubling to me most of all, and this is, let's cut to the chase, because this is really and I'm speaking to the black people out there. What is the deal with the animus from the black community, black celebrities, I suppose, they're the high-profile ones, against Jews? I will never understand this. Who do you think marched with blacks in the civil rights movement? Who do you think died with blacks in the civil rights movement? You ever hear of the movie Mississippi Burning? It's about three men killed in 1964 while trying to register blacks in Mississippi to vote. Southern states had systematically disenfranchised most black voters by discrimination in, in voter registration and voting. And two Jews from New York City were killed by the KKK for trying to help blacks get the vote. Jews marched arm in arm with Martin Luther King Jr. Jews today vote nearly identically with blacks. Do you know which group, uh, group voted for Biden the most after blacks in 2020? Not Muslims, not Hispanics, Jews. 
there has always been a closeness between the black and Jewish communities. What's happening these days that changed it? Blacks can question and investigate their roots, their place in history, I get it. But why does it have to be done by denigrating Jews? It has to stop. Blacks and Jews, they're allies. They've traditionally been allies. What has happened? And for people who claim that Kyrie was being treated harshly by the Nets, by the NBA, let me tell you a little story about a hockey player named Mitchell Miller, a 20-year-old minor league hockey player who should be in the NHL by now. He's fantastic, but he isn't because when he was 14 years old, he was convicted in 2016, six years ago, as I said, when he was 14, for racially abusing and bullying a black kid. The victim's mother claimed that Miller began abusing her son in second grade and repeatedly used racist slurs. Horrible stuff. Disgusting stuff. But it ended when he was 14. It's six years later, and he's still not allowed to play in the NHL. The Boston Bruins signed him to a minor league contract over the weekend, and the NHL's commissioner quickly said that the kid was not eligible to play in the NHL. He said he didn't, didn't close the door permanently, but he said he's not eligible, he's not playing. Compare that to a 30-year-old Kyrie Irving and the wildly anti-Semitic shit that he put on his social media. And he wouldn't apologize for it for days. And he claimed that he was the victim. He couldn't even say he wasn't anti-Semitic. And he's influencing millions of people, unlike Mitchell Miller, who influences zero people right now. Tell me who's worse. Kyrie or the 20-year-old who did horrible racist shit, which ended when he was 14 years old. Kyrie probably should have been suspended for a year. Not that it makes any difference. I mean, what team is going to sign him next year uh, for other than the league minimum? You can't trust him. You can't rely on him. Period. End the story. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. Back in a minute. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. We're back. And, and that was, look, that was hard stuff to talk about. I mean, uh, the whole Kyrie Irving stuff, it's, but, you know, I got to be honest about it. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I've got, you know, personal feelings about this and I don't want to just simply refuse to say the truth, which is really what I said. I know it's painful for some people to hear, but it's the truth. And as a defense lawyer, you got to be objective about the truth. It can't just be a convenient truth. You've got to at least acknowledge what the truth is. You have to. Otherwise, how can you do your job if you're not capable of at least being honest to yourself about what you see and what you hear? And speaking of, uh, I have to talk about my favorite terrorists. Uh, the, the mayor of the Palestinian West Bank city of Hebron, um, a convicted killer, by the way, of six Israelis, including two American citizens, he announced on a radio broadcast last week that Palestinians who capture or kill stray dogs will receive $5. I'm going to repeat that again. He announced that Palestinians who capture or kill stray dogs will receive $5. This is according to the Arab media. The reason? He suggested it as a solution to the overpopulation of stray dogs in the city. Palestinian residents, of course, soon complied with footage shared. They were very excited. Footage shared on social media of residents taking to the streets to torture and kill dozens of dogs, shooting them, hanging them, running them over with their cars, all gleefully done for $5. These are clearly sick 
demented people who no doubt would defend Kyrie's anti-Semitism that he posted on his social media. After all, in a poll, 93% of Palestinians hold anti-Semitic views, including, as I said, they have the same opinions as most of the shit in the film that Kyrie promoted. Pretty sure that none of these people go to Nets games in Brooklyn, which pay Kyrie's salary, unlike all the Jews in Brooklyn. But those are, uh, those are your terrorists. Now, um, I'm going to go into one other uh, topic before I go into K-Flock. <laughs> I saw this uh, the other night. Donald Trump blasted Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at a rally in Pennsylvania over the weekend, calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. Look, there's no secret. I, I hate Trump. I hate him so much. He's so dumb. He's so bad. He doesn't care that DeSantis is running for re-election this week, and it's a hugely important governor seat for Republicans to win Florida. Trump doesn't care that he's hurting Republican chances all over the country this week by blasting perhaps the most popular Republican in the country in DeSantis. Trump is teasing that he's running in 2024 for the White House two days before midterms. He doesn't care that it will turn off many independents who Republicans desperately need if they're going to win uh, these close Senate and congressional races this week. Trump only cares about himself, not the party, not the country. And because he's threatened by DeSantis for a, an election that's two years from now, the 2024 presidential election, he needs to blast him now? Because Trump is thin-skinned, Trump is a moron, Trump is pathetic, and Trump only cares about himself. And by the way, who thought up that genius insult, calling DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious? Roger Stone, the guy who publicly called Ivanka Trump an abortionist bitch. Trump still loves Stone, I guess, even though Stone publicly told Trump to go fuck himself because he only gave him one pardon, and Roger Stone needed two pardons. This is Trump. He's loyal to no one but himself. He's so unpopular that he's only two points up on Joe Biden, who practically has destroyed the country. And Trump thinks the country wants him back? You need to get your head checked if you support him. I'm serious. DeSantis is competent and strong and smart. Whether or not you agree with him, you have to agree that he's smart and he's at least competent. All these things that Trump is not. So apparently that makes him sanctimonious. 100% guarantee that Trump does not know what that word means. Bet my life on it. Now, if we can get into uh, K-Flock, this is the update that I promised. I'm sorry to the listeners that are just listening to this uh, podcast for the first time. You're like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I got to go through all this shit to get to K-Flock. Yes, you did, unless you were smart enough to fast forward. Now, I promised an update on the Kevin Perez uh, case, uh, the rapper known as K-Flock, his murder case in Manhattan. And here it is. Judge Melissa Jackson retired. She retired, and that was a judge that was thought to be very, very pro-prosecution. I liked her. I thought that she was smart. I thought that she was fair, and I thought that she was going to give me a fair shake uh, with Kevin. We have a new judge. Her name is uh, Felicia Menon, and I suspect I'll like her as well. Why? Because I, I like our case. I think we've got a strong defense. Our next court appearance is on November 16th at 100 Center Street in Manhattan. And on that date, we'll argue the prosecutor's motion to delay until jury selection the disclosure of the names and contact information of its 31 fact witnesses in the case. The reason why they want to not give it to the defense is that they claim that the defendant is part of a gang, or that the defendant shot a man on the street in Manhattan, that the charges are serious. And therefore, the witnesses may be in danger or could be intimidated by the defendant or his people. 
Now, what's frustrating is that the prosecutors first mentioned their claim to need uh, to not provide this contact information and names of their witnesses in early May of this year, June, July, August, September, October, that's like six months. But it took until October 17th for them to finally file their motion. For months, it was impossible for the defense to properly investigate the allegations against Kevin. Time was wasted as only one side had access to the most important evidence in the case, the eyewitnesses. In every court appearance in which this issue was discussed, the defense, me, said the same thing. Turn the contact information and names to just the lawyers, and we won't share them with Kevin or anyone associated with him. How else can we defend them at trial if we can't even speak to the witnesses? The first time is going to be when they're, when they're on the stand? How am I going to prevent them from lying? I've got to speak to them or at least investigate them. In this way, by saying that we would take the information ourselves and not pass it to the defendant or his family, we're basically alleviating the prosecutor's concerns. We're not going to share the information. The judge uh, who was in place at the time, Judge Jackson, she reacted positively to that middle ground compromise that we made. As I said, we weren't insisting that we get the names and contact information with no limitation. But they never filed the motion. They kept, there was always one excuse after another. They weren't ready with it. They weren't ready with it. The prosecutors pointed uh, to no effort by uh, Kevin to contact any witnesses in the case, to obstruct justice by threatening or intimidating any witness in this case. Instead, they claimed that he's dangerous, that he's in a gang, and that they they claim that the case is so high profile, as they noted in their papers, that surveillance video from the crime, because it happened on the street and there's a lot of cameras all over the place on the street, that surveillance video had been posted to YouTube and that some anonymous YouTube comment and anonymous people in the courtroom had taken pictures of what happened in court and posted them on social media. Who's to say any of this had to do with, with Kevin? There's all kinds of people that come to court. And as I said, one YouTuber posted a video containing a copy of the defendant's arrest warrant and included in the part was an, an officer identified, um, uh, who identified the defendant in the surveillance video. And the title of the video named the officer and stated that he would be, quote, a major witness in a murder trial. And as a result, the officer expressed to the DA's office that he had concerns about his safety. I can understand that. The question that jumps out is, what does it have to do with the prosecutor simply providing the witness information just to defense lawyers? Unknown people took pictures in court. Unknown people pointed out that someone in a video was a witness in the case. So that means the defendant doesn't get to investigate the charges against them, which could land him in jail for life. All of this evidence, the names and contact information of witnesses, is discoverable by statute to the defendant. The statute requires us to get it. The prosecutor can then move to deny access to this evidence if they make a showing of good cause to the court. And sure enough, good cause can include, according to the statute, and I'm quoting, danger to the integrity of physical evidence or the safety of a witness, risk of intimidation, harassment, or unjustified annoyance or embarrassment to any person and the nature, severity, and likelihood of that risk. And in making this determination, courts can weigh, quote, the nature and circumstances of the factual allegations in the case, whether the defendant has a history of witness intimidation or tampering, and the nature of that history. Now, we would argue that there is no evidence that Kevin has a history of witness intimidation or tampering with evidence. But the law also states that when weighing these factors in determining whether a protective order can be granted, the court must engage 
in a discretionary balancing test of all these factors. And even if the court finds that good cause does exist to issue a protective order, the statute makes clear that the court should consider what can be done to remove any of the prosecutor's concerns about their witnesses. And that's what's written into the law. And I'm going to read it to you. This is what's in the law. The court may impose as a condition on the discovery to a defendant that the material or information to be discovered be available only to counsel for the defendant or alternatively counsel for the defendant and persons employed by the attorney to assist in the preparation of a defendant's case. They may not disclose physical copies, copies of the discoverable documents to a defendant or to anyone else. That's what the law says. That's exactly what we've been proposing since May when we first learned of the prosecutor's desire to not turn over the names of the witnesses. Somehow, some way, in their 30-page memo of law, not once did they even comment on this middle ground that they know that we've proposed, that we get the information ourselves and not the defendant? Naturally, we, we heavily hit this in our response, which was filed this past week. And in order to make it uh, better for us, I suppose, to, to try to alleviate the prejudice against us, the prosecutors mentioned in their papers that they were unaware of any information regarding the witnesses which are exculpatory, meaning that's either helpful to the defendant or impeaches uh, some of their witnesses, which makes them less believable. And I found this argument particularly bizarre because if you ask a prosecutor if they think there's any evidence in any of their cases which is helpful to the defendant, they'll tell you, of course not. It's they're, they're guilty of everything. They're hardly the proper people to know what I, the defense lawyer, considers to be helpful in defending a criminal defendant, mainly because they've never defended anyone before, and I've only done it a thousand times. All of this will be decided on November 16th. I'll give you an update when that happens. It's a little over a week. And now that we have a judge who is not retiring, I suspect this case will move along faster. And Kevin Perez will have his day in court. And this is a client that I've grown to really like. I've grown to really like his mother, his managers. These are decent people. I know, oh, come on, he's accused of this horrible crime. You know, everybody that I represent is accused of something bad. It doesn't mean that I like all of them. But this is, he's been a joy to represent so far. I like him. He's kind. He's polite. There's something about him that I think is eminently likable. And, and, and he doesn't seem to me as an aggressive kid. I understand. I understand what he's charged with. I get it. It doesn't change the fact that he deserves a fair trial. It's all we want is a fair trial. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can hear me on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, beyondthelimit.com. You can write to me if you have any questions. I'm happy to read your questions and give you the answers next week on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in.